shots on the beat, boy. Accent made this. Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Value Adds Value. My name is Kyle Krieger, uh, and I am one of the original hosts of uh, the Value Adds Value podcast. And I say original because now we are so thrilled to bring you our first team podcast with the three new people that have been added to our team. We're adding a fourth this coming week. Um, But we are so thrilled to announce and share that... uh, Ace Schwartz, Dalian Hendon, and Lauren Roig are joining the team at Lighthouse Educator Development and by default the team at the Value Adds Value podcast. And we spent some time together. We've been meeting every couple weeks uh, and we decided to record just our initial thoughts on this distance slash crisis learning time because we want to get something out to you right away as we work on... um, you know, trainings and professional development for teachers that we can share with you through the summer and to start next year because there's still a lot of us that are worried that the way we're teaching now is the way we'll start the next year. So um, if you don't follow uh, these amazing teachers, uh, please go do that. Uh, You can follow Ace at Teaching Outside the Binary. You can follow Daylene as Cohort of Care and uh, Lauren is the real traveling teacher. So please, if you haven't, go follow those new members of our team. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed the first part of this podcast, which is a, uh, you know, a two-part series, uh, talking about engagement and how do we redefine engagement for this new time. Because as much as we want to define it by what it was, we have to really redefine what it means and what it is. So, um, Thank you for listening to the Values Value Podcast. If this is your first time listening, we are honored that you're choosing to share with us. And if you did the subscribe button, the like button, the share button, we'd really appreciate it. So talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Value as Value. Uh, so really, like I say, this is an honor. I am excited to be here, to have everybody here at one time. Even though we're not all in the same place, we're in the same place, technically. And so... Uh, this is our new digital world that we're living in, and that's kind of what we kind of were talking about, learning in a digital world. Uh, so that's what we want to kind of hang our hats, because we all have varied levels of experience with this distance learning or crisis learning or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we all have different experiences. So I want to just kind of open it up and just start talking about one of the issues we, we saw that we're experiencing is student engagement, getting students to want to come and participate or want to do assignments online. What do we do to entice kids to work and do things in this place where they feel like, does it really matter? Does it count? You know, that's everybody thing. Does it count? So how do we get students engaged in this type of world? I think the first thing that was really important, and I I guess I had a reality check yesterday, was remembering that, like, 
life has not stopped for these students. Like we are so constantly reminded that we're in a pandemic, everything's crazy. And like all we're thinking about is COVID-19. Um, but last night we actually received news. One of our, our high school students, he was quickly diagnosed with lymphoma and is now jumping into the hospital. And the whole high school class is freaking out and, you know, really coming together. And their main focus is him right now. It's not their engagement. It's, you know, it's him. And, or my, my eighth graders from last year lost a student, you know, just passed away two weeks ago. And I think we forget, like, life has not stopped for these kids and trying to reconnect and understand that they're going through life as well. And that's, I think, step one is trying to realize, like, where these kids are coming from before you start engaging in work. Yeah, I definitely understand the sentiment of like why people wanted to keep a routine, but like nothing about this is normal, right? Um, and so like trying to pretend that it is like it's really doing the students disservice, and I think underestimating their ability to have these conversations, um, and you know be more engaged with how they're feeling and what their needs are, um, in this moment because I think that's very different from like a regular school day. And so the, you know, when I think of student engagement, I'm just thinking about how can I build relationships with them uh, to, you know, see where they're at, meet them where they're at. And uh, you know, if I get the stuff my district is like asking me to do, that's, you know, always a good thing. Um, but at the same time, like, I think there's other other priorities, but I, I honestly, the engagement piece is important because I miss my kids and I like seeing them. And I would like to see more of them. But, you know, the reality is not every kid, just because they have an iPad or a Chromebook or whatever, doesn't mean that they can actually, like, use it, right? Internet um, inequality is a huge issue in the United States. Uh, so just because they have the technology doesn't mean they're able to, to use it. So, you know, thinking about all of those things and thinking about student engagement is they're kind of, they kind of go hand in hand. You can't think about one without the other. Something that resonated with me from a teammate was that uh, the kids initially seemed genuinely surprised when he was saying how much he missed them and that he would rather be at school with them. Um, so this first uh, initial shift might have felt like it was very optional and uh, quasi-vacation, um, but as the adult, we were able to real like we were more quickly able to realize that emotional piece and so just genuinely expressing that to the kids of you know this is important to me because i do want to be in the classroom with you um i thought that was interesting that the child's perspective was genuine surprise that their teachers would prefer to be at school yeah, it's um, a testament. That's a testament to what they know they put us through. <laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. I'm sorry. Well, you know the the thing with it here too, and Wilkie and I were I've been talking about this a little bit prior to this is like we were under the assumption that um, that engagement should be easier for these kids because they're digital natives. They live in such a digital world, but. I think I just am grasping the hard reality that digital learning and digital, you know, the digital world that they live in are not, not the same thing. And I should have known that based on the way they operate technology in the classroom. 
like the the quintessential one I get is if a kid looks something up on Google and it's not on the first page of Google, they think it doesn't exist. So I'm trying to understand and and would love to hear your feedback on how do we kind of bridge that gap? Because I guess I, I assume that we would be getting more done during this time because we were just giving them, giving it to them on this digital platform where they could speed and go quick through it. But that's, that's not been the case. Well, if you think about it, um, discourse is a huge part of learning, right? The ability for students to talk and collaborate. And that's basically like non-existent right now. I know some people are hosting like live classes, uh, but we're ultimately asking them to do a large majority of this work on their own. So even though they might be really like adept at technology, uh, that whole collaboration piece is gone and some of that confidence, I think, uh, goes with it, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. We, If you're thinking of students who've been in schools for the past three to 10 years, the whole focus has been on what's visible. Engagement is visible. You can hear it. You see it in the collaboration. And then that's been taken away from them. So there's there's fewer and fewer opportunities for kids to have that uh, self-selected, independent, self-paced learning. You know, that's when do you see that? That's- so I have a question. So since we we know that this engagement is huge, that is our that is our staple in education is our ability to engage students. That's what how we determine good teachers from bad teachers. So how do we in this digital space increase the digital engagement? of students? How do we meet them in a, in a medium, in a place with activities that's going to make them want to come? Simply, just an example, I changed the name of my lessons from virtual conferences to Mo Money, Mo Problems, because uh, I was teaching financial literacy. So when the kids came on, I was playing uh, the old Puff Daddy, what you want to do, want to be a baller, shot caller. So the kids would come in, and they were like, oh, my God. And so I'm on there, and I'm doing my thing. You know, I'm just... And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like now the next classes, I noticed started filling up because kids are letting each other know. And some kids are in, in, in multiple classes to see if it's good. You know what I mean? So they're missing that type of engagement. So how do we bring that in the digital space so that kids want to come and it's not this arduous chore of I got to go do this, I got to go do that. My daughter did a TikTok for a science class. You know, and so I was excited. I was like, oh, so t- you're learning how to use TikTok to explain what you're doing in the classroom. So perfect. So how do we meet kids there to get them engaged in a way that they'll be meaningful? Well, first of all, Wilkie, you realize now you probably are on TikTok now that <laughs> your kids are going to be on there every day. But you're on t- you'll be on TikTok and you'll be the TikTok teacher now. Hey. I think like you you said it, like trying to make... Um, trying to make learning fun like they they want to show up and see your faces like they want to see what you're doing every day or you know like how goofy you are and like I teach middle school and they think I'm I mean I think they think I'm cool most of the time but you know they they want to laugh at you they want to make fun of you they want to make it fun like if they're gonna have to sit there for however long your classes are like why not make it fun and engaging and even even if the learning is not happen happening because like like we're in a 
it's an unprecedented time. Things are just crazy. At least for 30 minutes a day, they get to laugh. They get to smile. Like focus on the emotional needs of your children first. And how can you improve their day? Focus on that first and then the learning will happen. I, I, the question, like I'm totally with y'all, but the question I have in, in my current situation is when this first started being that I do a lot of the work, I mean, Wilkie and I are very versed in the Zoom platforms and, and communicating across. So I was ready to go, but my school asked me to scale it back and to not do certain things that I I feel like I totally lost my momentum and it ground like totally to a halt. So I guess I'm interested in any advice you'd have on how, you know, with only really three ish weeks left, how I can try to ramp that back up or, or build that back up to where I can get some of the engagement back. Yeah, I know I've had a huge drop off in engagement and and I think you guys are doing more. We're not hosting live lessons. We're posting assignments, learning opportunities, and the students are really doing, they're having to self-guide themselves. And it's difficult because I could not have done it. I didn't take online classes in college. I couldn't do it. I needed that direct instruction. And so I think you're doing a great job initially, although you, you know, you're seeing that drop off in engagement, but just remember like kids are, they're struggling themselves. Um, I wish I had better advice on how, you know, how to bring that engagement back. But I just, I think remembering like we're all doing a great job. We're all doing as much as we can and try to make that in that learning engagement fun for them. Like, you know, what Wilkie was saying, but it's, it's just, it's difficult. And my, my district has asked me to, to scale it back as well. You know, we were given too much work at the beginning and, we, as teachers, we want to raise the bar and we're continuing to push our students. That's why we want to, we want to see results and we want to see them grow. And it's hard to feel like they're not growing, although we know they are. Something that we are advocating for, because we also struggle with the issue. Um, it was really interesting. I had a grandparent concerned saying that his granddaughter wasn't finishing the homework I was assigning. And I work for an after school program it's enrichment it's not you know required curriculum but we were we are offering these virtual lessons and uh, something that I wanted them to know is that it's going to be accessible all summer the content's going to be there the the videos we've recorded are going to be there um, so pick it up when you can and you know build it in when you're curious about it and I think that's important. I know that I've, I'm really struggling with the amount of time um, I'm having to spend on the computer. I, I think if I were not used to that as a student, it would be a big shift. Or if I were having to, uh, even here in our home, we struggle with taking turns being in the office recording or being on calls. Somebody has to go to the other room. Somebody has to go sit outside on the patio. Um, and so you have kids having to make those decisions you know like oh share with my sister share with my brother uh take care of little brother while mom is on calls um so I wanted my families and that was an eye-opener for me I wanted the families to know like these things are fun and they're great lessons and 
pick them up when you can. Like, you're not going to get a grade for this, obviously, which was also unclear to them. Um, we had to re like remind them, like, this is all enrichment. This is not required. Um, so maybe just that whole piece of advocating within your district of, you know, maybe just because June 1st comes and they're technically no longer in my class, uh, they should still maintain access throughout summertime to the content I've posted because their families may wish for them to continue scheduling time each week to engage online and some learning. Does that make sense? Just yeah. like that this is, if, if, if we're too rigid about the expectations of the time that they're, they're in the content, um, understanding that they may just need more time. They need, they need like an extension to the deadline of this year's learning. <laughs> I think that's going on all over. Like for me, I'm already looking, saying, what am I going to have to bring my fifth graders, my incoming sixth graders? What am I going to have to bring them up with? Because they're missing that last three months of review, of repeated review. So I know that I'm going to have to hit it. I mean, I think that as a teaching tool, you automatically think that. But this year, it's, it has a little bit more weight on what the kids missed last year to make sure that they're really in, in ready, knowing that we already have kids with huge gaps. You know, there are kids who, who have huge sixth grade gaps now who are going to the seventh grade, who now that gap is going to be perpetuated to about a year and a half. You know, so you can count on kids losing about a half a year of, of, of instruction. That's huge, you know, because now six months they're going to be at home. You know, one mom told me, Mr. Law, I'll be honest, the first three weeks, we treated it like a vacation. This is the parent. This is not the child. This is the parent. So again, um, that engagement, I think, trying to get kids excited about something and wanting to be there. Um, and, and I, I can't think, I think it was Ace was talking about, you know, trying to make a routine within something that's not routine. You know, we know our kids are not cognitively where they're supposed to be to to make decisions, but now we're asking them to make those same decisions as it relates to their learning. You know, what I mean, it's 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 really mind blowing that more districts have not stepped up and said, you know what, well, guys, teachers, y'all stop, students, parents, stop. Enjoy yourselves, build up your families. Let, let's get through this together. Let's stop these, you know, states, stop penalizing districts for doing this, letting kids actually heal. So that at least they come to us next year with 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 a with a with a healed scab of COVID-19. And we can chisel that away and, and start the teaching versus trying to force feed them right now, and then they come to us with an open wound. And now we got, we can't even treat it because we got to let the infection leave before we can even, you know what I mean? So it's like so many, I'm sorry to get kind of doctory on y'all, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's the same type of analogy. We have to make sure they come back healed. And I don't think we're thinking that way right now. Absolutely not. I think one of the things that I, I realized quickly, like I teach middle school and like, they're not organized. It's hard for them to keep a schedule in school when i'm telling them and sending them reminds hey guys putting it on the board there's a test on friday or you know your project's due and 
I mean, they see it every day. They hear my voice every day. They see me. I'm reminding them, hey, are you going to get your project turned in? Because I know the ones who aren't going to do it. And one of the huge things I, I think we completely missed, or at least my district missed, was before we even did an online lesson, a switch to virtual, we were so quick to jump on board because we wanted to make sure that we could, you know, we did it right. We didn't even teach these kids like, hey, guys, here's, an, here's a way you could schedule your, your, your week. Monday mm-hmm. is English, Tuesday, and parents even, it wasn't even just teachers. Parents were like, okay, do your work. And the amount of parents I call, and I'm like, well, your student hasn't done work in three weeks. They're like, what? But you never sat down and gave them an example schedule. You expected them to run their life as an adult. And they're 13, 14 years old. They don't know how to, they don't know how to manage that. We don't know how to manage it. I'm still struggling as a teacher to figure out what my day is like. And so we just didn't give them enough, enough grace, enough instruction on here, here's what you could do. Here's an example of how I would schedule my week. You can do it how you want, but let's teach them how to actually run this life. Like if it ever happens again, I hope it doesn't, but that'll be the number one thing I do. Like, Hey guys, let's do English on Thursdays or history on Wednesdays. Like get them some sort of a structure in place to help them at least manage it before. Cause they're now they're all like, I haven't done work in three weeks and try to get it all done. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about um, something as like a graduate student, we were given, we were given a lot of grace. There were a lot of changes made to what was required. Um, and I remember my, my professor saying, you know, just don't drop off the face of the earth, like check in with me, even if that's a text or an email um, or just like showing up to the zoom class. She was like, if, even if you're not, making a lot of progress don't don't disappear um because i think she was her whole point was like the the time discussing and the space time with each other would be better than nothing and i think that if we return to in-person schooling in the fall um building that mindset into our discussions with our kids, you know, whether we're sitting here together or we're talking on Google classroom, like don't disappear. Like I want to know, I want to know you're here. I don't want to know how you are. Um, because I think like you said, Lauren, uh, there's, you cannot make, uh, you cannot, you just can't make that kind of jump to, uh, okay, this month I'm going to be back in like the things I'm used to, but next month I might, you know, only get to go to school two days a week. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of unknown and uncertainty and fear for a child. If that, if they are hearing, we don't know what they're hearing the adults in their homes expressing about this kind of situation. Um, they may be worried that if I don't go to school, my mom's going to lose her job. Um, because she has, she can't stay home and take care of me um, and do her job. Um, so we don't know what kind of fears and concerns they're hearing from their parents. And so I think I earlier, Ace, uh, you were talking about the discourse. I was thinking the discourse and how we're talking about where they should be. Um, being mindful of like, we don't need to say to our students, you know, you guys have missed six months of school. You're all behind <laughs> If I were a child hearing that, I would be mortified. I I would feel like it was my fault. Um, 
And so just be mindful of how we talk about it. Um, I was also thinking the things that get me excited about uh, some of the, the create, I think there's been so many creative outlets that have come about through this pandemic. And one of them is, it's kind of lame, but it's cute, is the the guy from The Office, John Krasinski. John Krasinski, has his, yeah. Yeah, like he has his uh, fun weekly news update or something like that. And yeah. it's actually not that fancy. It's not that, even though he's calling his celebrity friends, but it's super nerdy and really just genuinely uh, joyful. And I kind of think like, how how can we make that piece uh, part of our routine for this virtual like how can we like will play music you know can we make kids like your dj of the day so you better show up tomorrow so i can play the song that you want to be on the playlist like you know uh low pr- low production but high happiness you know like i don't i don't want to have to sit and like develop a full-blown costume or uh, a highly edited film to like put into my Google Classroom lesson, but if if they know I'm gonna be wearing like a super big silly top and I'm gonna wear like my workout pants, like they're gonna get a laugh out of that. Like, how can we just make that that uh, that nerve nervousness filter? Like, how can we lower that? And it doesn't necessarily have to be highly produced. Um, just keeping that in mind. Like, what are small creative uh low cost because <laughs> uh, there's not there's just not a lot of time and space in my mind in my brain I'm gonna say the phrase I hate bandwidth I don't have the bandwidth for that <laughs> but it's true I don't I really don't and I think it's also about like you know redefining what engagement looks like over this platform right like um for example, I I only see my students once a week if they choose to come. My uh, office hours like via Zoom are optional because I know not every kid has the privilege of being able to log on at a very specific time um, and they can reach me in other ways. But when I post my lessons, I always start with um, some type of like yoga, stretching uh, or breathing exercise, uh, a check-in on Google Form and then their homework, which is not, op- or not required, um, it's totally optional is like um, Jarrett Lerner has all these amazing like drawing activities or like writing prompts. And I'll get kids who turn in all of that stuff, but won't turn in any of my content. (laughs) But so, but they're still engaged in their way, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. they're still doing something. They're still accessing um, the, my work. It's just not necessarily, they're not necessarily focused on the content piece right now. And I honestly can't say I blame them. Um, so I think that grace piece that we were talking about kind of comes back into play. So it's, it's tough because you want to engage all students, but I think if we define engagement as we were defining it when we were back within physical walls, um, you know, we, it'll be a lot less than what maybe it actually is. And, you know, you're so, so on point, um, gosh, like, I just wrote that down, redefining what engagement looks like for this platform, uh, because one of the other things that we were going to talk about next, and it's like a perfect segue, um, um, is the lag time with feedback with students. Um, you know, I know for me, my experience is my students get their math assignments on Tuesdays. Uh, Tuesdays, I have office hours for an hour, and then 
on Thursday, I do all day video conferencing from nine, at 9, 10, 11, and 12. Uh, four different times, same lesson. Um, and so by the time my students complete an assignment on say they finish it on Thursday, those kids are not really required to go back in and see anything that I've given them until next Tuesday. And so now they have to go in and look at what I've done. I don't actually get a face-to-face of them legally until Thursday, which really I have to go on to something new. I can't really go back to, you know, I can't, I try to scaffold back within the time frame, you know, but we have 30 minute sessions. You know, I've stretched mine out to 45 minutes because discourse and math is so big. You have to actually talk about what you're doing. And I mean, in learning period. Um, so I try to get 15 minutes of discourse. Let's talk about it. Unmute your mics and let's have a conversation, you know. Um, but how do we how do we fix that? Um, that lag time? Like how do we adjust our um, you know, our governor? to to accommodate the, uh, that lag time. You know, how do we do that? Thank you so much to everyone for listening to this episode of the Value as Value podcast from myself, Kyle Krieger, Wilkie V. Law, Lauren Roig, Ace Shores, and Daylene Hended. We want to thank you so much for being a part of this journey with us, the journey of being an educator, of striving to be what your kids deserve. If you want to connect with us, here's the best way to do it. So you can find the five of us on Instagram and as well as our collective Instagram, at Value Adds Value. You can find Myself, Mr.K.inroom508 on Instagram. You can find Wilkie as its.will.law.iii. Daylene is cohort of care. Ace is teaching outside the binary. And Lauren is the real traveling teacher. So we would love to connect with you there on social media. You can find us on YouTube as at value adds value. Um, you can find us on Facebook as Value Adds Value. You can find us just about everywhere. But um, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you're taking value from it, here's a couple of things you can do to just help us out. You can share it. You can subscribe to it. And if you want to support us, you can do it a couple different ways. You can go on anchor.fm backslash Value Adds Value and click the support button. Or you can go to classy.org backslash Value Adds Value and support us there. So We look forward to hearing from you and sharing this journey with you. And we can't wait to share with you the next episode of Value Adds Value.